it's good to be here. It's exciting to see so many people. I recognize a lot of faces from uh, camp and also from, as was mentioned, yeah, Chase invited me to the Men on Fire Bible Studies. That way, we get, the way we got involved in that is because my daughters, we homeschool our kids too, and um, we played volleyball with the Rebels. And so, got to know Chase through uh, sitting in many bleachers, many concrete bleachers, watching, you know, junior high and high school girls volleyball. <laughs> many nights doing that. So, it was good. Got to know him through that. And uh, But anyways, we have a, a hidden haven in this church has a connection that goes back much much longer than, you know, just last volleyball season with Chase and myself. So um, I'd like to ask, just to kind of get a feel for the room, how many of you have heard of Hidden Haven before? Raise your, raise your hands. Okay, most of you are good. How many of you have ever been to Hidden Haven and some drive a bus or take your kids or grandkids? Okay, good. Um, how many of you, now you can be honest here, okay. How many of you ever were nervous or questioned your decisions when you got to the low water bridge at the camp? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So <laughs> that happens. That um, is still a thing. It is still a thing. It's one of those. Well, why don't we? You know, it's a lot of money to really to solve that problem. It would take a lot of money. So we live with it. Right? There's a low water crossing that comes into the camp, and if we get any more, if we get more than three, four, or five inches of rain, it'll flood. And you can't get across it. So you're either stuck in or you're stuck out. And you have to wait about 12 hours for it to come down. And so there's been times where we've had to delay camp. Um, send out emails. Try to call as many people as you can. Um, because we're stuck in. So it's like we can't get across to tell people, hey, we've got to wait two, three, four hours before camp can start. Before we can even... Because <laughs> then it's like, we call farmers, and we get uh, farm trucks with hay beds and stuff like that on the back, and we load kids onto those and shuttle them in and out of the camp when there's still, you know, 8, 10 inches of water going over the bridge, but it's, a truck can get across, you know. So, anyways, fun times at the camp, right? It makes makes for memories because they always say, oh, yeah, they always seem to remember. Yep, I remember we had to ride in the back of somebody's pickup truck to get into the camp because there was water going under the bridge or over the bridge so yeah it's um, a lot of memories you know Hidden Haven's a special place um, <clears throat> I'll just give a quick quick spiel quick little update about the camp right we did have camp last year um, we had 834 835 campers um, come to camp last year we did not have camp in 2020 as with many things the world was closed that summer, um, but we did have camp last year. This summer will be, uh, my, me and my family will be our seventh year at the camp, um, and we're really excited. Lots of great things going on. Um, we're looking forward to another awesome summer out at the camp. We've got lots of big dreams, big plans. Things are coming together. Um, you know, we've started really getting serious about, and I know you guys are or can relate to the whole building uh, building process. So we're just now starting to get into that to build a, a new dining hall. Um, because if you've been to camp, you will recall that the dining hall is not air-conditioned. And 
when you get over a hundred high schoolers in a, in a metal building in the middle of July, it's toasty. Yeah. It's it's nice and cozy in there. I guess you know it's nothing like uh, not needing to ask to for to pass the salt and you can just lean over your food and let the. <laughs> so uh, we're looking to build not only for air conditioning but for more space. Um, that's kind of the the next thing that needs to be built. The dorms, surprisingly enough, if you if you weren't aware, we built new, new dorms over 20 years ago. Uh, but they do have air conditioning, and they're doing great. You know, just minor, regular upkeep. You know, this spring we're going to be replacing, uh, you know, the fun stuff to talk about that everybody gets real excited about, water heaters, <laughs> air conditioners. You know, people are like, oh, that, that's... But then you say dining hall. It's like, okay, yeah, now you're talking, right? Let's let's do a big building. So. We're in a good spot, and we're looking forward to the future. We've done some great things with the what we have to keep them up, to keep them in good shape, and to because Hidden Haven's been around since 1948, and this year will be uh, what 70 something, 74. 70, uh, that's right. It's 74 years, but it's the 75th summer. That's what it is. We count 2020. It, it counts. <laughs> So, um, please, be uh, be in prayer for that. I know you guys have a lot going on at your church. We always are, are thankful for your support, the way that you do uh, support the church, or support the camp, the way the church supports the camp. We're thankful for that. Uh, if you would like to know how you can help more, if you want to give on an individual basis to the camp, please feel free to talk to me. I'm going to leave, I brought a bunch of brochures I'll leave those with you guys so you can have those, hand them out, give them to somebody who you might be interested or, you know, uh, drive your car around town and pick them up and just take them to camp with their parents' permission, of course, you know. So um, we love to have love to have kids out at, the, out at the camp. So that starts June 5th is our first day of camp. It's going to be here before we know it, and then we'll be going all summer. We've got two high school weeks, two middle school weeks, two fifth and sixth grade weeks, two third and fourth grade camps, and then a camp stuck right in the middle of the summer, July 1st, for the little gra- the little guys going into first grade. You know, it's like, it's like VBS all crammed into like 20 hours. So think of like a week long of VBS. We do it all in like a night and a morning. So it's a lot of fun. That afternoon, evening, and a morning. It's great. So much fun because so many, you know, it's their first time at camp and they hopefully they love it and they they come back for the rest of their uh, rest of their school school career, so to speak. And then we have so many kids that that uh, come out and help out at the camp even after they graduate out of high school into their adulthood. So many generations uh, continue to help serve and minister at the camp. And so, as was mentioned, we do have uh, our men's weekend coming up. So listen. Like Bruce was saying, if you don't have anything to do this weekend, it's your own fault, right? Because <laughs> truly, we're not competition. Like I'm not trying to like count you. Mine's going to be better. You need cut now. Like we're on the seat. You know, we're the camp is really think of it like this. We're just an, another part of the ministry that you guys can do here. Another 
another avenue, another arm of ministry of Colony Christian Church. You guys partner with us, and we're here for you to support whatever you you are doing here in this community. And so we're here for you if you ever need us, if you ever need some place to go. You want to bring a Bible study out to, to get away? Let me know. We can do that, too. We host rentals or, you know, host uh, private rental groups that come out, especially in the off-season, uh, winter, fall, winter, and spring. That's what um, we're looking to really build that up. So it's going to be great. We set a five-year goal at the camp to increase our annual attendance to 2,000 people, not, not just campers. The year, you know, if you take all of the, the forged event, we do the ladies' event in the fall, and then other rental groups. Right now, we're probably like 1,300, 1,400 people come out and use the camp in the course of a year. We're looking to increase that to 2,000 people within five years. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to add a dining hall, and we're going to convert the current dining hall into more dorm space within five years. So a lot of work's going to take place. A lot of goals have been set, and we're plugging away towards them. So... We thank you for thinking of us. We thank you for uh, continuing to support us. So um, with that, how about we pray, and then we'll get into the message. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to uh, come and worship together, worship with our, our supporting church here of the camp. God, we just thank you for the ministry that we can do together. Thank you for the ministry of this church. Uh, and their impact in this community, God, and I just pray over them that you would you would continue to to help them to provide whatever it is this community needs, whether it's through through the youth work, the youth events that they do, serving the community, serving the schools, uh, serving the adults, and uh, Lord, we just pray over everything here that it would be a blessing to the people that participate, and also that it would bring glory to you. We thank you for today. I just pray that you'd be with us now as we look into your word. Help us to hear. Help us to understand. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Chase texted me, just kind of giving me um, the uh, the order of the service, just kind of preparing me for what service would look like. And it said, you know, Sunday morning you'll have there'll be a song of worship, and then anointments, and then more songs of worship, and then the, the communion, the message. So. Anointments, okay, you know, like I go and visit a lot of churches, it's okay. I realize he meant announcements. <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, I go to a lot of churches, and you know, every church does it a little bit differently, and so, okay, that, that would that would have worked either way, you know. So, anyways, so here we are, and then I was asking. I was asking the guys in the back, you know, how long does Chase normally preach? So I'll go a little bit shorter than him, you know. And they're like, ten minutes. <laughs> I was told early on, you know, there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. So. <laughs> but I also know that there's still food downstairs. So if at some point we're going long and you get hungry, just feel free to go on down there and make yourself a plate and come on back, you know? But No, anyways, um, I was, before we took over at the camp, I was full-time youth pastor down in Bartlesville. Um, and so that's how we were connected, involved with the camp. I was bringing our youth group to camp at Hidden Haven and got involved 
in uh, leadership and leading a camp, being a dean at a week of camp um, many years ago. And so we're, ha- we're excited to be at Hidden Haven. And um, it's still youth ministry. I call it youth ministry with a tractor because, um, you know, we get to do more stuff that you don't have a tractor at a church, in a, in a youth group at a, at a church in Bartlesville especially. So, um, but me growing up on a farm, um, I did I did grow up in uh, Florida, but before I lived in Florida, I actually lived in New York. So, you, know, you want to talk, we could, that could be a whole other sermon about how awesome uh, God is and the way that he works, right? It took me from a dairy farm in upstate New York to Florida, and then to Bible College in Tennessee and now running a church camp in southeast Kansas. So, yeah, God is good, and he, he, he had a plan all along. I see that now. You know, it's one of those, you don't see it. Anyway, so let's get into our sermon, the actual sermon, so to speak. Um, so I want to talk about uh, the prayers of Jesus. You could, it'd be, I'm sure there are plenty of Bible studies that walk through the prayers of Jesus if not, you know, you could just start flipping through the Gospels and just whenever it says, you know, Jesus stopped and prayed. Man, talk about a powerful Bible study, just walking through the prayers of Jesus. But today, I want to kind of look at um, why Jesus prayed even in the first place, right? Um, not going to get into, like, the theological, like, why would God pray, to, or why would Jesus, who is God, pray to himself? who's also, you know, not that, we're going to look at the, the motivation for prayer, okay, and apply that to our lives. So, uh, we look at the the why that that uh, Jesus prayed. We're going to, we're going to focus on uh, John chapter 17, so if you've got your Bibles, I think most of the scriptures that I talk about will be in the slideshow here, uh, and so we're going to look at John chapter 17, and we're going to start there. And while you're flipping there, just just kind of put this in perspective, right? This is the final hours of Jesus' life. So it kind of fits, you know, with leading up to Easter. This is the final hours of Jesus' life. It's before uh, his betrayal, before the arrest, and, and eventual crucifixion. And he spends his um, last meal with his disciples celebrating the Passover. You know, again, this is where he institutes the communion. And then after this, he washes their feet, and then he says, you know, um, he, he, he declares that, or announces that uh, Judas is going to betray him, and then also Peter, his denial, he, he announces Peter's denials, and then he, he goes into, um, he goes into a, a teaching about... Uh, love and the Holy Spirit and then abiding in Jesus and overcoming the world. And so we're talking like John 13, 14, 15. That's what I'm talking about, what we're reading in the chapters leading up to John chapter 17. Um, 13, 14, 15, he talks about um, love and the Holy Spirit and abiding in Jesus and overcoming the world in 15 and 16. And then in John 17 is what we're going to land on. He begins to pray, uh, and and this whole chapter in my Bible, it's all in red, which indicates not that it's any more important than any other passage in the Bible, but that it's the actual words of Jesus himself. And so, he says in verses 1 through 5, Jesus says, 
or after this, Jesus said, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. After all that teaching that we had just outlined really quickly, he looks towards heaven and prays, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And so, when you look at the prayers, when you look at the prayers of Jesus, um, you know, other than Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord's Prayer is, there's not really a specific formula, right, for how to pray, like like what order you should do it. And, and so we just kind of... Um, we look at all of the different prayers and we glean and we learn from each one of those. And Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so when we look at the why of what Jesus prayed, um, we start to, we this passage here in John especially, starts to shed a light on um, on prayer. So, even though there is no specific formula, I want to, if we, you think that video is going to work back there, or, or no, maybe not. That's okay. It really is. It's okay. I had a video, you know, sometimes we need to make fun of ourselves, don't you think, right? It's okay to laugh. I'm not making fun of prayer, so to speak. But this video, it, it doesn't look like it's going to work. Oh, maybe. It's coming. There we go. There's the slides. Okay. So, this video, if it'll go... There we go. Okay. Different types of prayer. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Lord Jesus, and all your wonderful, Lord Jesus, things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us, Lord Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I just want to thank you for Annie and Sarah and Molly. I know that with your strength we can change the world! We can change the world! Woo! Venus, Earth, Mars, and we give you praise. Yes, Jesus. We cannot wait to see what you're going to do yes. today. And we are excited. Aunt Margaret's really nasty hangnail. <laughs> I worship you forever and ever. God, I, uh, just, uh, <laughs> um, toilet paper. Hey God, 
Man, you're great. Help me find a mate. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> salt, garlic salt, sea salt, kosher salt. God, just, just let your doves of knowledge flow from under our fingernails of repentance. <laughs> Okay. And see, I can add the disclaimer, like, I don't know if any of you fit into this, so, you know, innocence here. But, um, oh, he's still going, yeah. So you have different types of prayer, right? And different uh, ways to pray. But, like I said, we're going to look at why. Um, why Jesus prays, or why we, should, why we should pray, maybe is the better way to, um, to say it. So we're going to look at, we're going to focus on Jesus' prayer here as to um, some motivation or some reasoning why we should pray. And so, um, and, and one commentary I read that uh, they put the, the cross this way, that the cross to Jesus was the climax of his life, right? To him, the cross was the glory of life and the way to the glory of eternity. And so I think what Jesus means with uh, his mention of the cross as his glory and his glorification has a, a few possibilities. Because if you remember, he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And then down in verse 5, he said, Now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What about glory and glorifying here? Okay, and so the first thing I think that the cross does for Jesus is it glorifies his life and death. The cross glorified his life and death. Um, we often think of this uh, mentality with the Vikings, right? But the Vikings weren't necessarily the first civilization to think that way. That That, that is, that death brings glory, right? Because the Vikings, they wanted to die in battle because they would be remembered forever. Um, like I mentioned, we homeschool our children, and I actually lead... Uh, the 12th graders. I have a group of 12th graders that, that we lead. We meet once a week with. And um, one of the books, that, well, two of the books that we read are from the Greek poet Homer, right? Not Homer Simpson, um, but the actual, you know, Greek poet Homer, okay? And in those, in those, uh, those stories, one of the things that you see, right, is how these heroes of these stories want to be remembered forever, right? They want their name, their legacy to be remembered in glory, right? If you just, if you die without any meaning, then you're not remembered. But if you die in battle, then you're remembered forever. And a lot of the stories in the, the, Homer, the Homeric works are accounts of different men throughout that civilization that died and the way they died and it's doing exactly that they are now remembered through those pages because of their death and in that glory and so I think we see a little bit of that here right that Jesus is saying through my death he's saying right I want to be bring glory to God so that when people think of me they think of God Okay, uh, and then some other ones. Abraham Lincoln, we think of him on his deathbed. 
his enemies were saying things like, now he belongs to the ages, or there lies the greater ruler of men the world has ever seen. Um, Joan of Arc, which, just a little side note, is not Noah's wife. Not Noah of... Joan of Arc. She was burned at the stake as a witch, and during her death, men are quoted saying, we are all lost because we have burned a saint. So a lot of people, a lot of um, heroes in history are remembered through their death. And so I think that's what we see here. Jesus' life, or the cross, is glorified, glorifies his life and death. And we even see this in Jesus' life. Matthew 27, truly this was the Son of God when he died on the cross. The Roman guards were saying this. The cross was the glory of Jesus because he was never more majestic than in his death. The cross was his glory because it drew people like a magnet. It drew people to him in a way that even maybe his life had not done before. And it continues to draw people to him today. It's like you, Bruce, you were saying, when you see the empty tomb in Jerusalem, you realize that's an empty tomb. There's, there's no one there, right? So his, his life and death and eventual resurrection is what continues to bring him glory. And so and we see this in his prayer here. And the next thing the cross does is it uh, glorifies Jesus, or the way that it glorified Jesus, the cross glorified Jesus through the completion of his work. Um, how many of us, when we... Um, be given a job or a chore, you, you spend a long time working on it. Could you imagine um, you stopping short, just short of finishing it? It'd be like uh, the, it's trash day, right? Imagine it's trash day, it's time to take out the trash. And so you go around the house, you empty all of the trash cans, and you put in the new bags, and you take all the bags out, and you put them in the bin, and then you think to yourself, there. There's no more trash in the house. It's in the trash can. But then you fail to take the trash can to the curb to be picked up. What happens the next morning, right? The trash truck comes by. No trash bin at your curb. So they drive right by. The trash isn't... You never really finished the job, right? You never really completed the work. And Jesus knew that he had to complete. And he says, I have completed the work which you gave me to do. And Jesus knew that the cross was the completion of that work that he was given by God to do. Because think of it similarly, if Jesus had lived his life exactly the same way, but stopped short of the cross we would still be able to say, you know, he came and he he, um, he said so many good things. He was a good speaker. He was a good person, right? But you wouldn't be able to say he died for our sins. He had to go to the cross because God is saying that my love doesn't go here and stops. He's saying my love is willing to go as far as I need to go. There's no limit to the love of God. 
And Jesus was willing to do literally anything, including suffering and dying. And he brought glory to God, glory to God through completing that task. That means the cross was the work that God gave him to do. And so the third little point that we're going to look at here is how else does the cross glorify God, though? It does through obedience. Jesus obeyed God. He was given the task, and he obeyed it. Like I said, he could have just as easily taken himself down from the cross and proven, you know, hey, like you got me this far, but I'm God, so I don't need to die. Right? And I'll just go on back to heaven. But he didn't do that. He didn't take himself down from the cross. He chose to obey. It was, uh, not only was it perfect love, it was perfect obedience. Like when you're little kids, when your kids are little, right, and you're in the checkout line at Walmart, why do you think they put all of that candy and fun stuff right at the registers at Walmart, right? Because they want your little kids to see that and you to cave, right? And so you have to tell your kids, don't touch anything, right? And then when they actually go through the line and don't touch anything, you're like, oh, there you go, obedience, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so we see the we see the glory here in this chapter. The cross it glorifies Jesus because of his life and death. It glorifies Jesus because of the completion of his life's work, and then also through his obedience, uh, it glorifies God. But look at this when you put this in perspective right here. Why was Jesus praying? He prayed because he knew what was coming next. But he also prayed because he knew what comes after what happens next, right? He knew that the resurrection was coming as well. And this is the proof that no matter no matter what, you see, this was what humans, they thought they were doing their worst to God, to Jesus, didn't they, by killing him. The Romans, the, 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 uh, the Jews, they thought that this was the worst that they could do. They didn't realize that until the end, right, that this was actually God. And that by by suffering, or by crucifying Jesus and his death, it allowed him to resurrect, which fulfilled the plan. And then Jesus prays, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. Uh, another uh, commentary I read said that Jesus was this in this prayer. He was like a knight who left the king's court to perform some perilous and awful deed, and who, having performed it, came home in triumph to enjoy the victor's glory. And so, the last thing that the cross does here in this example is the cross glorifies eternal life. The cross was Jesus' way back to God. And it's the same for us today, too. The cross is our way back to God. Because we've talked a lot about this, but we haven't answered that first question that I talked about yet. Why do we pray? So we looked at what he was saying with his prayers, and of course, the the unsaid reason why we should pray is because we want to be more like Jesus. Yeah, that's that's all true. 
But but what is the why in this passage? Why do we pray? And because it brings us to eternal life. It brings us to eternal life. And it says, he says, in verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this is why we pray, to bring us to eternal life. The Greek word there, because I know, somebody's going to ask you in Walmart one of these days, right? What is the Greek word for eternity? So, just write this down and remember it, okay? That's that's the Greek word for eternity. Does it look... <laughs> It's, it's ionios. Think of eons. Eons and eons of time, right? That's where, when you're saying that word, you're basically saying the Greek version. You're, you're saying the English version of that Greek word. Eons and eons. Ionios. It's this idea of eternity, right? Forever. And so, um, and it has... Yeah, there is a, there is an aspect of this word that talks about like like time in the sense of you know life in the sense of time, but it also has this um, the main meaning has to do with the quality of life. Does that make sense? Like like it's not just a long life; it's not just eternal life, but it is like the life, the perfect life, the eternal life. And so there's only one person to whom the word Ionios can be applied to, and that's God. Eternal life is the life of God. Because eternal life is not just a place, right? It's an experience. It's a, it's a state of being, if you will. And here we are now, Jesus is saying, that we, he's praying that we should know eternal life. We are invited to know eternal life, the majesty, the joy, the peace, and the holiness, which are all characteristics of the life of God. And so, by prayer, we draw closer to eternal life. By prayer, we glorify God. We bring glory to God. Because, you see, to knowing, knowing God, that's not, a, that's not a new idea, right? It's an old idea. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many of you could say that without looking, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and He will make your paths straight. We can know God through the things we see and the things we feel. Um, you go to the next slide there. There's a, a wilderness picture, right? Through the trees and the, um, the creeks and brooks and hills and mountains. You know, the, the men's thing that we're talking about doing in um, August in Wyoming. That's, that's it, right? We're going to go out there and we're just going to surround ourselves with nothing but nature, which is all created by God. It all points back to God. We know this. But we would have never known this unless Jesus had come to tell us. And it's through the work of Jesus that we 
understand what God is like. Because it is eternal life to have the mind of Christ, to know God. And to know God is to know what he is like, to be in a, a sort of friendship or a relationship with him. And none of that's possible without Christ. And when you, when we, when we have our, our minds like this, that everything points to God and that we see God in these things because of what Jesus has done for us, when we put our attitudes in that place, I think it puts the world's problems in another perspective. Um, and it, it puts our friends, it puts our neighbors, puts our enemies in another light. Uh, this world is not our home. The verse I'm going to close with is First uh, Peter, chapter two, uh, verse eleven. And he says, "Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul." And then you look at the next verse, verse twelve. It goes a little further. He says, "Live such good lives." among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Man, if that verse doesn't describe culture today, I don't know what does, right? How, how, how much is the world trying to tell Christians that our old ways are not the good way, or not the right way anymore, right? And Peter's telling us here, foreigners and exiles. The word here is in in the original language, again, in the Greek, I'm not going to go into it too much, but is is the word that, that we would ascribe to like an immigrant in our culture, right? This is, we're not citizens of this world. This world is not our home, right? And Peter is just saying, it's not your home, so don't give in to the sinful desires and live your lives in such a way that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, no matter what you do, eventually they'll see your good deeds and realize what the truth was. And because of our good deeds, they too will glorify God. And so... To final, to sum it all up, or to, to bring it all to a point, why we pray? Why should we pray? Why do we pray? We pray because it makes us more like Jesus. It brings us closer to God. It brings us into the presence of God, and it brings us to eternal life. Because after all, this world is not our home. But we want to do whatever we can to bring people to heaven with us. And I want to close with a, a, fam- a quote by another um, famous theologian, Charles Spurgeon. You may have heard of him before. He says, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. This world's not our home. We need to keep praying for those because they need it, right? 
it brings us closer to God too in that process. So I'll close with a prayer and then we'll sing our, our song of invitation. So let's pray. Lord, we just pray now um, that we could be more like Jesus, that we could have the heart of Jesus, that we could...